So I'll admit that the scripture readings today would not have been my first choice for a day where we get to dedicate the kitchen. Um, We've got things like Malachi, who tells us that the arrogant are going to burn like stubble. That's always encouraging, albeit they'll be in an oven. So we've got the oven part of it covered. (laughs) And as I said, Paul tells the Thessalonians that they're lazy. But there is the part that says those who don't work won't eat. So there's the eat part of it. If we just pull that part out, we're good to go for the kitchen. But the worst of this is when Jesus tells the disciples that the beautiful building before them will be brought down to ruins. That's what we've got to work with, folks. Lovely. So the temple that the disciples were looking at in our gospel passage today was a reconstruction commissioned by Herod the Great. It was the second time that it had been rebuilt since its original construction by King Solomon. Herod's reconstruction included a platform that was four times the size of the Athenian Acropolis. The retaining walls that were used were some 40 feet long. So think of using stones. Think of a stone that's 40 feet long. I can't even imagine what that would be like. And then some say that there was so much gold that covered the building that one could risk blinding themselves if they gazed on it for too long. Now, it's no wonder that the disciples were in awe because it's not as if they saw the temple every day. They're from the backwoods area of Galilee, north of Jerusalem, where things are smaller and simpler. You imagine what it's like coming from a a farm home to go visit New York, and all you do is stare up at the tall buildings and the amazing architecture. So the disciples were a bit amazed at the glamour that was before them. And surely they thought as they sat there and looked at this beautiful temple right beside their mentor, their teacher, the Messiah. And they're thinking, whoo, God is up to something now. Well, they got that part right. But what they didn't know is that it wasn't going to look like anything they had expected or hoped for. You know, much like our Vision Rally conversation that we had last week, you know, we see the numbers, we know who is missing from the ranks, and we wonder what happened to the large and bustling congregation that we had just 10 years ago when we were arguing over how to work in a third Sunday service to make room for everyone. And with this new kitchen, the stakes get even higher. And we'll go downstairs after the service and we'll get a look at those shiny stainless steel counters and the tile floors and the large commercial oven and the dishwasher and the huge fridges and freezers. And and some are going to think, wow, okay, things are really going to turn around now, just like the disciples. And there will be some who look at it and wonder, man, was this necessary? And there will be others who are simply skeptical whether or, not, whether or not we're going to get it paid off. But most of us are at least going to say, thank goodness this is done. Right, Kent? <laughs> well, ne- nearly, nearly done. It's not quite done. But quite frankly, it's not done at all. It's not done. It's only beginning. Because the purpose of building a kitchen is not simply to build a kitchen. It's to be a central hub for community and nourishment. And that's only just starting for us. 
The kitchen is a tool for us to live out God's vision for us in this neighborhood, to walk with Christ and neighbor, healing brokenness together. But just as Jesus told the disciples, there will come a day when all of this is in ruins. And that's scary, and it's hard to imagine, almost impossible to think, that the place where memories are made and people are fed and children are coloring and kids are getting their Bibles and we're communing together and, um, and God is worshipped, a place like that could ever be destroyed. It's devastating to think that the work we put into this place may end someday in rubble. The cleaning, the building, the digging and the growing and the money... But this is what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples. God is not bound by stone buildings and beautiful altars. And our faith is not placed in a building of brick and mortar. Our faith is placed on Christ. And God is experienced everywhere, even those places we don't think God should go. The disciples sat across from this beautiful building commenting on its stature and its certitude. 40-foot stones. They are not going anywhere. But the one in whom their faith would end up residing was sitting right beside them. And his humility and his fragility and headed toward death. And though they didn't know it then, every day that they spent with Jesus was an opportunity to choose between a life of uncertainty following this man who healed the broken and fed the hungry and broke the rules or a life of seeming clarity Worshipping a God bound by 40-foot stones and covered in gold. All but one disciple chose this frightening path. The one that would take courage. Eventually, once they left the upper room, at least, it would take courage. The one that wouldn't be easy or glamorous or even successful by human standards. They lived courageous lives and proclaimed a courageous gospel so that people would know that God is bigger than a building. In that simple conversation about the temple, we are reminded not to be led astray by a simplistic theology, a theology that will tell us, if you build it, they will come, or if you give, you will be blessed. Like I said a couple weeks ago, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Instead, we're called to live courageously and to follow a God who leads us into the unknown who challenge our, challenges our assumptions and lets us experience grace in the midst of the unexpected. When some find themselves, on the one hand, expecting just another day to follow the next, to follow the next, to follow the next, as if it's a guarantee, and some others will find themselves panicking that everything's going to be destroyed in an instant, we are called to live in the middle. We're called to recognize the impermanence of all around us and yet still do the work toward the good that we can do today. For there is good to be done today as well as tomorrow and the next until our tomorrows are no more. Because God has promised us that not even death itself can destroy us. That's the reality that Paul was speaking about to the Thessalonians. They had gotten complacent. They were just nonchalantly waiting for the return of Jesus, and Paul was trying to wake them up. Jesus may save you, he says, but those who refuse to work aren't going to have anything to eat in the meantime, and we don't know how long that meantime is. So get up 
and do the work of the Lord until the day of the Lord comes. Do not be weary in doing what is right. That's encouragement for us as well. Do not grow weary in doing what is right. Though there are days when it all seems pointless, where it isn't growing our numbers or raising funds, the work of God isn't dependent on numbers. Do not grow weary in doing what is right. Though Christ may return tomorrow, we plant a tree, not cut one down, where were you at? We plant a tree and expect it to grow and bear fruit. Do not grow weary in doing what is right. Though the stainless steel may end up getting scratched and the equipment will eventually need to be fixed at some point or maybe even replaced, and you might be afraid of how to use the dishwasher, and the process for cleanup will be a bit more laborious. Do not grow weary in doing what is right. Because at the end of the day, the kitchen, in fact this whole building, is merely a tool for ministry. It does not house the gospel. It does not read the scripture. It does not proclaim God's love and grace to a broken and hurting world. That is what you do. You, you are the church, the body of Christ, God's living stones, the embodiment temple of good news. You are the hands and feet that proclaim the gospel. And with the Holy Spirit moving in us, we can do marvelous things. This building will someday be reimagined, it might be repurposed, but it hopefully will be used for any number of new and innovative ministries and groups and individuals and godly work. But this is just a building. And the kitchen will be a place of fellowship and community, where hungry are fed and the broken are nourished, where new life is inspired and new skills are inquired, but it's still just a kitchen. The beauty of the work will be all you, moved by the Spirit, focused on Christ, embodied by the Creator. This is about you, courageous and beautiful you. You are the face of good news proclaimed. You are the living image of God in all of your quirks and individuality. You are the bearers of God's love for the neighborhood. You are what makes this building, this kitchen, the ministries here special. And that's good news. Amen.